For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Talk Recorded live. Welcome, everyone. My name is Ed George. I'm the host of this call. We're going to be going over HR 1491 tonight. Um, how the government uses our credit to function the nation. Okay, we're going to start off by reading Congressional Record, March 9, 1933. It's on page 83, and it states the following. It says, if the Republican Party had released itself from the clutches of Wall Street, and expanded the currency immediately after the stock market crash in 1929, or within a year after the crash, our people would have been saved from this awful money panic. There was an enormous money panic uh, that going on in, uh, right after 1929. I can remember my dad and mom talking about it, how bad it was. And it says, our president asked amendment to the new law with conditions and more normal and when it is better understood. It says, under the new law, the money is issued to the banks in return for government obligations, bills of exchange, drafts, notes, trade acceptances, and bankers' acceptance. It says the money will be worth 100% on the dollar because it is backed by the credit of the nation. It will represent a mortgage on all the homes and other property of all the people in this nation. Isn't that interesting? They knew it back then when we were doing it. They planned on mortgaging everything that we own as collateral. Mm-hmm. We go on a little bit further. This is in uh, 1993. This is the uh, congressional record. It says, Mr. Speaker, we are now in Chapter 11. Members of Congress are official trustees presiding over the greatest reorganization of any bankruptcy entity in the history of the United States government. Well, they're admitting that they're an entity, the United States government. Mm-hmm. That's the Congressional Record, page 1303 of March 17, 1993. I should have restructured this a little bit. we we got to go back a little bit earlier. It says, on October 28, 1977, the United States as a corporation and the states declared in solitary. The state banks and most other banks were put under the control of the governor of the fund, the International Monetary Fund, 26 IRC 165GI. Uniform Commercial Code 1-201-23 
CRS 3922-103.5. This is Westfall versus uh, Bailey. The court case in Adams versus Richardson, the court case where they admitted they were broke and they put the banks under the control of the International Monetary Fund. Well, who owns the International Monetary Fund? The Federal Reserve System. We go on, we start into uh, H.R. 1491, Public Law 1-73, is how the states and the people of the United States pledged all the people, the inhabitants on the land here on earth, as security for their debts and obligations in exchange for giving all the people a credit line. Where is defined, present to Title 18, Section 8, the term obligations or other securities of the United States includes all bonds, certificates of indentures, national bank currency, Federal Reserve notes, Federal Reserve bank notes, coupons, United States notes, treasury notes, gold certificates, silver certificates, financial notes, certificates of deposit. Well, isn't that what they give you, a certificate of deposit when you allegedly put money in the bank? Bills, checks, or drafts for money drawn by or upon authorized officers of the United States, stamps, and other representatives of value of whatever denomination issued under any act of Congress and canceled United States stamps. Those are all obligations of the United States. Where is defined present to Title 18, United States Code, Section 8, Federal Reserve notes are obligations of the United States. Federal Reserve notes are not money until they are monetized and issued by the Federal Reserve Bank. That those Federal Reserve notes could be issued by the Federal Reserve Board, not by any bank per se, for one singular purpose, for the purpose of making advances to the Federal Reserve Banks and for no other purposes. To obtain notes, the Federal Reserve Banks must pledge collateral equal to the face value of the note. Collateral must consist of the following assets alone or in any combination. Gold certificates, special drawing rights certificates, U.S. securities, and eligible paper. As described by statute, Federal Reserve notes are obligations of the United States and have the first lien on assets of the issuing Federal Reserve Bank. Money without banking is worthless. These are all in their codes and stuff. This is where all these definitions are coming from. Does anybody have any questions before I go on a little further here? Is this why they don't want to use stamps? Because it's a further obligation? Yeah, it's an obligation to them. So they're they're trying to phase them out. Yeah, they're working on that, but I don't know if they'll ever succeed that. 
even stamps in the post office? Yep, they're obligations of the United States. Very interesting. Yep. This is from the uh, 73rd uh, United States Congress session, uh, first session of 1933 on H.R. 1491 Public Law 1-73. It's titled, An Act to Provide Relief for the Existing National Emergency in Banking and for Other Purposes. Interesting, it's an emergency for the national banking and other purposes. All right. Section 1 says, the actions, regulations, rules, licenses, orders, and promulgations hereinafter and hereafter taken, promulgated, made, or issued by the President of the United States or the Secretary of Treasury since March 4th, 1933, present to the authority confined by subsection B of section 5 of the Act of October 6, 1917, as amended, are hereby approved and confirmed. Well, the Act they're talking about of 1917 was the issuance of the Federal Reserve Bank. That's when they first started the Federal Reserve Notes. Section 2 of uh, H.R. 1491 reads, During time of war or during any other period of national emergency declared by the president, the president may, through any agency that he may designate or otherwise investigate, regulate, or prohibit, under such rules and regulations as he may prescribe by means of licenses. That's the key word, guys, in Section 2 of Public Law 1-73, Section 2. By means of licenses or otherwise any transaction in foreign exchange, transfer of credit between or payment by banking institutions as defined by the president and export um, hoarding, melting, or embarking of gold or silver coin or bullion or currency by any person, and will define person later on in here, within the United States or any place subject to its jurisdiction thereof. And the president may require any person engaged in any transaction referred to in this subsection to furnish under oath complete information relevant thereto, including the production of any books, of accounts, contracts, letters, or other papers in connection therewith in the custody or control of such person. What was that? He sneezed. Oh, okay. Either before or after such transaction is completed, whoever willfully violates any of the provisions of this subsection of any license, order, rule, or regulation issued thereunder shall upon conviction be found not fined more not more than ten thousand dollars 
or if a natural person may be imprisoned for not more than 10 years or both, and any officer, director, or agent of any corporation who knowingly participates in such violation may be punished by a like fine, in prison or both. As used in this subsection, the term person and natural person means an individual, partnership, association, or corporation. I don't see anything in this thing that defines a man or a woman, or even a child for that matter. They knew what they were doing back then. They, they took the word person, they put their own special meaning on it. We'll get into that a little bit later, meaning of words and stuff. Okay, we're under HR 1491 again, Public Law 173, Section 3. It says, whenever in the judgment of the Secretary of the Treasury, such action is necessary to protect. The currency system of the United States, the Secretary of Treasury, in his discretion, may require any or all individuals, partnerships, associations, and corporations to pay and deliver to the Treasurer of the United States any and all gold coin, gold bullion, and gold certificates owned by such individuals, partnerships, associations, and corporations upon receipt of such gold coin, gold bullion, or gold certificates, the Secretary of Treasury shall pay there for an equivalent amount of any other form of coin or currency coined or issued under the laws of the United States. Section 4 reads, in order, now this is where they give us the credit line, guys. It says, in order to provide for a more safer and more effective operation of a national banking system and the Federal Reserve System, to preserve for the people the full benefit of the currency provided for by Congress, through the National Bank System and the Federal Reserve System. Very interesting. They had to issue a credit system in place of gold and silver back then because it was all taken out of circulation. So we had to have a way to function in the public. That's the Federal Reserve notes that they call currency today. So right there, they are admitting they're giving us a credit line. I'll read that once again. In order to provide for a safer and more effective operation of a national banking system and the Federal Reserve System to preserve for the people the full benefit of the currency provided for by Congress through the national banking system and the Federal Reserve System. That's where your credit line is, guys. It says, note the words used in H.R. 1491, Public Law 1-73, Section 4. I'm repeating this again in, in uh, my script here. If anybody wants this script, uh, I'll send it out to them. It says, in order to provide for a more safer and more effective operation of the national banking system, the Federal Reserve System, to preserve for the people the full benefits 
of the currency provided for by Congress through the national banking system and the Federal Reserve System. Well, let's look at the word benefit. What does that mean? It means a payment or gift made by an employer, an insurance company, or a public agency for the good of all people. You can find that. The source where I found that is on the dictionaryreference.com. You look up the word benefit. And I go on to say, because the government, states, and United States are using the credit of all the people living on the land in the nation as a means of operating this national, or this nation, as a federal, uh, and, I lost my land, in the nation, as the means of operating this nation, as the Federal Reserve notes are not backed by so much as a penny's worth of gold, but are internal currency, present to Congressional document of 1933, the Department of Justice, the judicial branch, have knowingly violated their fiduciary trustee position of the State of Emergency, 12 U.S.C. 95B Public Law 73-10-40, Stat 411, by failing to discharge the public debt in the name of all the people of this nation. Per 18 U.S.C. Section 8 and 12 U.S.C. Section 411. That's where their violation is. They're failing to discharge these debts. What do I mean by debt, discharging debts? Anytime any government agency comes at, at any one of us, it always starts as a charge. You are charged with violating some statute, whatever statute that may be, whether it's a, a driver's license issue, whether it's a building permit, whether it's uh, some violation of an ordinance, whatever it is, you are charged with something. Well, that charge is a discharge. They are required to discharge it in the name of all the people. They don't do that, though. They try to dig into our pockets. H.R. 1491, which is Public Law 148-1, that the private side, when they stole are all the people, gold and silver, that prevented us from being able to operate in the public side. By them not discharging the debt in all the people's name, it's preventing us, individual people, from operating on the public side. It says, however, under the bankruptcy law, you cannot use silver to pay any debt. You cannot use gold to pay any debt. Everything is based on the credit line. What has happened here is this, and this is why the courts don't want you to get into the bankruptcy law, because when you start publishing the bankruptcy law, they, the courts, are afraid that you are going to bring in a bunch of contracts. The issue is when they, state government courts, Force, us, force you into one of their courts rooms on a traffic violation, 
saying you failed to have a proper tag on your vehicle or a driver's license is expired or a driver's license is suspended, you violated some regulation. Judges do not want to let them know the prosecutor is in breach of his duty and he has breached the contract agreement because the foundation of you having a license or a registration on your vehicle and having a tag on your vehicle is not within the state statutes. The foundation of you having a license or registration or insurance with the state goes back to the bankruptcy of 1933 under Public Law 148 Stat 1, better known as H.R. 1491. And the judges are preventing by not allowing me to go there. However, the judges do not have any choice. The prosecutor brought me into their court under a violation of this public law licensing. And he, she is now in breach of their contract because for me to have a car to be registered with the state so the state can monetize the value of it, the agreement was you, the government, was to give me a credit line and an established fact in H.R. 1491, Public Law 1-73, Section 4. Section 4 is where they talk about Congress granted us a credit line called Federal Reserve Notes and any other instrument they want to monetize as value. Because Public Law 148-STAT-1 refers to H.R. 1491 to which the United States government and the states are the trustees of the trust created under this public law. One, which placed all property of all the people into the United States government and the states. And that those possessions are a trust to be used as a credit line. Well, they already admitted that back in the beginning when I started reading this under the Congressional Record of 1933. It would represent a mortgage on all the homes and other property of all the people in the nation. So they're mortgaging everything that we owned, which we didn't give permission to mortgage it. That would be just like me coming over to your house and say, hey, Mr. Smith, I'm going to mortgage your house without you knowing it. That's how these people think. But anyhow, this is the way they set their system up. The issue is when, uh, let's see, did I read this already? Uh, Yeah, I did. Sorry about that, guys. Um, Therefore, establishing the fact that all people are to be given a credit line because we all people cannot use silver and gold to pay any debts. That's where they're preventing us from operating on the public side. We cannot use gold, we cannot use silver to pay debts. They are obligations of the United States. Because public law 10, chapter 48, 48 stat 112, refers to HJR 192, 
which removed all the lawful gold and silver from the states to pay its employees and for all the people the means to receive pay for sweat equity and pay debts. In 1933, President Roosevelt passed H.J.R. 192, June 5, 1933. And since the government had taken the gold and all the people had no money, the government would pay the debts for all the people, thereby giving them unlimited credit. Whoever has the gold pays the debt bills. The, the legislation states that one cannot demand from you a certain form of currency since any form and all forms of currency are my credit. Because the prosecutor breached their duty and has breached the contract, they are in breach of public law 73-10. Not only does this insurance policy law protect the legislators from conviction for fraud and treason, but it also protects the people from damages caused by the federal and state governments. How many people knew they actually had an insurance policy that protected them from being convicted of fraud and treason? The politicians. I didn't. Or what they call the lawmakers. Yes, they actually do. It's called Public Law 73-10. Okay, we're almost done with HJR 1491 here. This title may be cited as Banking Conversion Act. Isn't that interesting? A conversion of banks. H.R. 1491, Public Law 1-73, Section 202. As used in this title, the term bank means any national banking association and any bank or trust company located in the District of Columbia and operating under the supervisions of the the controller of the currency and the term state. Now, they define the term state in upper lower case in H.R. 1491. And this is what they define the term state in upper lower case letters. Means a state, territory, or possession of the United States and the canal zone. So back then, they knew they were going to change the definition of the original 13 states and all the other states that were bored. They just changed the meaning of it. It became a possession of the United States. So they're not talking about the geographical land of each state. They're talking about a possession of the United States. It says, therefore, establishing the fact that all the people are to be given a credit line because we, all the people, cannot use silver and gold to pay debts. Because the prosecutor in this matter, now this is a closing statement I would recommend people to use that are being drugged in their courts for traffic violations or whatever they want to call them. Because the prosecutor in this matter has breached their duty and has breached the contract, they are in violation or in breach of 
Public Law 73-10. Not only does the insurance policy law protect the legislators from conviction for fraud and treason, but it also protects the people from damages caused by the federal and state governments. Therefore, this court, court's own law, you are required, according to H.R. 1491, Public Law 1-73, to discharge the public debt in the name of all the people of this nation and dismiss all the alleged charges against the alleged defendant in this matter. Now, you can use that in any formation, whatever they bring you in their courts for. But that's something I recommended. I put that in there. Do we have any questions on H.R. 1491, guys? This is over for discussion right now. You said that... The reason that the judges don't want you bringing this up is they're worried that you're going to bring in a bunch of contracts. What do you mean by that? The contract is H.R. 1491. Okay. So they are supposed to, to they issue us... To... A, they don't want us to, to mention H.R. 1491. That's the contract. The contract requires them to discharge the public debt in the name of all the people. But they're bringing you in for something that they're supposed to be paying off. Right. See, we can't we can't pay for anything. We got no money. Right. Well, you know, we have Federal Reserve notes. We use them like money, but they're not money. They are debt obligations of the United States. So all they're doing is when they force somebody to pay something, they call paying it with Federal Reserve notes. They're just creating more debt obligations of the United States. And that's why they don't allow you to pay with lawful tender at the window because we're not allowed to function in the in the public side. The private side. <laughs> they're all this is all they're all operating the public side, guys. They're not in the private. No, but when you bring pennies or you bring silver to currency to pay your debt, so you're not using FRNs, they tell you that they you can't you have to use paper money. That's exactly right, because they can't accept them. Gold and silver was the private. How how is gold and silver made? You said that we're not allowed to use gold, therefore we can't pay our debts in the public. That's correct. They're preventing us from using that in the public side. You and I, if we wanted to make an agreement with each other, let's say I offered to clean your house for $100, and you said, okay, Ed, you clean my house for $100, and I turn around and said, okay, I want to be paid in silver. You and I in the private could make that type of agreement. But in the public, you can't use it. You can't go to a Walmart. You can't go to a major supermarket and use silver or gold to buy things. They won't accept them. I've tried this before. Yeah, I've tried it too. So you're saying that they're preventing us from using gold on the public side, therefore we have to have the FRNs. Right. And that's their own internal currency. It was never meant. See, under it says here, the currency was for the purpose of making advances to Federal Reserve banks and for no other purpose. The Federal Reserve notes and the currency they call Federal Reserve notes 
was only to make advances to other Federal Reserve banks. It was not meant to be in circulation where you and I could use them. I see. So the problem with that is they had to issue us a credit line. And that's all Federal Reserve notes are. It's a credit line, period. It ain't money. It never will be money. It was never meant to be money. So what they did in October 28, 1977, the United States' corporation in the States declared all the banks bankrupt, and they put them under the control of the governor of the fund of the International Monetary Fund. So all the banks, I don't care if it's a state bank, state chartered bank, a federal bank, whatever, they're all under the control of the IMF, and they're using Federal Reserve notes. You can't walk into any bank and say, here, I want to exchange this Federal Reserve note for gold or silver, because they don't have any. And gold and silver originally was operating on the public side. It ain't no more, because it's not in circulation. It still exists, but it's not in circulation. As a matter you know, circulation... Ed, I thought I heard that it was possible to remain on the private side and function on the public side. Well, everybody is kind of functioning on the public side, but they're not really because they're using Federal Reserve notes. Hmm. But that is a credit line. So when somebody uses Federal Reserve notes, they're supposed to discharge that debt in the name of all the people. They're not doing that. They're doing it for themselves. I mean the legislators, the so-called lawmakers, and the politicians down here in D.C. called Congress. They're all doing this. And this, this is the answer to the credit line, guys. H.R. 1491 is the answer to the credit line. How to tap into that? I haven't figured that out yet. Well, they're managing, to pay, the, they're managing to pay the football, basketball, and um, baseball stars, and I would say that they've tapped in there. Say that again. I you cut out a little bit. The, the millions of dollars contracts that they're paying the professional NFL, et cetera, they've right. got to be tapping into their accounts. Well, yeah, they're tapping into those trust accounts. The government is, not those individual people. Yeah. There may be a, there may be a few of them that have figured it out. But like I say, in the beginning, we, we discussed this before I started recording, the reason that they're keeping such a tight lid on this is if the people that actually knew about this and actually knew how to tap into it, if they all did it at once, the whole system would crumble because it is not, strong enough to support all of them. The system in place just isn't strong enough. It would just it collapse. And that's what they're afraid of. That's why they they go to great extremes to try to make us look like we don't know what we're talking about. Yeah, they suggest a mental evaluation every time you bring something up that they that they don't want out there. Exactly. Now, I didn't I didn't make this up. I learned this from a federal judge, guys. It took me a long time to be able to articulate this and fully comprehend it where I could explain it in layman's terms. 
because it is a very, very complicated system. And it's tied into many different statutes, thousands of them. But these judges, most of them at the federal level, a lot of them at the state level, they know about this. They're setting themselves up for life with their insurance policies and stuff when they retire. That's why they monetize every court case out there. It's put into a mutual fund of uh, probably 100,000 or more cases at one pool. Like the local courts that they have, these traffic courts and these uh, little courts where they have these violations of local ordinances and all that crap. They'll pull over 100,000 cases into one into a mutual fund and sell it in the stock market. And investors are buying into that. And the more they buy into it, the higher the stock goes. No different than buying stock from General Motors or Ford Corporation. It's all monetized. That's how they're... The only difference is it's not real money, it's a credit line. It was a brilliant system in the beginning when they first came out with it because it allowed the United States federal government to still function. But these guys, when they set it up, I'm talking about the politicians when they come out with all this crap. They were not thinking long term. How do you know this about the monetization? It's right in there. Under Title uh, 28, I forget what section it is, in the federal court system, it says that they can monetize any court case they want. Federal judge told me about this, and I looked it up. I said, you got to be kidding me. I knew about it, but I didn't have the proof in writing. No, it's in my book, but I don't have the proof there. I don't know the wisdom of letting everybody else know it either, Ed. Yeah. Well, see, I was blessed when I met this federal judge. He knew everything, man. He, he knew it all. He knew exactly where to point me. Did he teach me everything? No, I had to learn this on my own. He showed me where to find all this and how to put it all together and tie it all together. Is he still alive? As far as I know, yeah. He was doing the the right thing. See, in the federal system, I don't care what the case involves, they do not have any, federal courts do not have any jurisdiction except in Washington, D.C., and federal property that they own, allegedly own. Let's put it that way. They don't really own it. They occupy it and control it like they own it. That's the only place that federal courts have jurisdiction. If you look under Title 28, it talks about debt collections and civil cases. It does not say anything in there they have authority to handle criminal cases. All the criminal stuff is under Title 18. Well, how do you know that they'll put 100,000 cases together in a mutual fund and monetize that? Where, where do you get that information? Oh, I found that on uh, Fidelis, or Fidelity.com. Before they changed the website? Yep. Oh, I found that out years ago, maybe uh, seven, eight years ago. That's back when we were researching all the cases and we actually took Social Security numbers and, and one day we found billions of dollars in one Social Security trust account. You look it up the next day and it's gone. 
They're filtering money through these Social Security trust accounts. Well, not money, credit. Yeah. Yeah, it was there. They shut the that the well, they didn't shut it down. They just changed it so it's hard to find. Right. Same thing with Dun and Bradstreet. Right. Exactly. See, we were taking that information. We were filing them right into court cases. The evidence. Right, and now you have to pay sixty dollars minimum for any information on the Dun and Bradstreet website. And I remember looking at it, and it was all there for you to take freely back six years yeah. ago. Yeah, it used to be free. Right. About six years ago. Right. Yeah, but now you're going to pay for it. Well, they've made it much more difficult to do any kind of research, and I don't know how people are, you know, I mean, we're, we're depending on the people who were doing research back then, I guess. Right, right. Or, or, or if you can hack into it, but I don't have that ability. I don't think many people do. That's why no. they changed it. Right. But right. That, that's how... This so-called government is operating. They're operating on a credit system. It's all internal, what they call internal currency. It ain't real money. If the countries that the United States really owes money to ever called their notes, they would shut them down in a minute. A minute. Well, I thought that China tried to tried to do so. I mean... From what I heard recently, China is presently not doing well economically. They're crumbling. And I thought that we owed them a lot of money. Or you do. Credit. The United States does, yeah. Um, yeah. They, they did something with the, uh, they got the International Monetary Fund involved. And see, China is part of the International Monetary Fund. So they really didn't have the pull they thought they did. And they're, they're trying to crush China financially is what they're trying to do. Well, first they set them up, you know, as most favored nation, and they were very, very wealthy and doing very well, and now all of a sudden they're crumbling just like all the rest of the, you know, world currencies. Right. Are they preparing for a one-world, you know, system? Leader? That'll never that'll never happen. Don't try. But that'll never happen. They don't have enough power, manpower, or anything to do that to that magnitude. Yeah, they're trying to do that. But there's other countries out there right now that are not doing business with the United States currency system or the International Monetary Fund. Because that's all credit-based. Yeah, I'm aware. I just heard an interview today by a security guy who was saying that the Internet is currently the size of a golf ball in comparison to what it's going to be very shortly. It's going to be the size of the sun. It's going to be enormous in comparison to what it is now? Oh, it's expanding every day. It's enlarging in size. As far as opening up where the information goes worldwide. Just take Facebook, for example. That's a company that started, what, 11, 12 years ago? They're expanding the... They're expanding the size of their computer system on a daily basis to be able to hold the information. Interesting. And the Internet is exploding in growth. It's opening up to other countries. It's not even in right now. Yeah, there's a lot of countries that the, the World Wide Web is not, you can't have access to it because it's not in some countries right now. 
Is it going to be? Yeah, it'll be there. People want it. They want to be able to tap into that global communication. Any more questions? What's the solution? I mean, if you bring this up in a court case, is that going to help you? Yeah, you stand your ground, you be firm. They will discharge it. They'll make the case go away because they don't, they don't want this to be public record. They don't want that in a public record case when they publish it in the case law books. See, every court case, even in town courts, they have to publish them in what they call the law books. You have the uh, Thomas's uh, Law Publishing Company. You have uh, Nexus Lexis. You have uh, Eastern Pacific, where they publish everything that's said in each courtroom, each case. But they're not they doing it, to... Are they doing it online, not physically anymore? Uh, they're still printing books. Most of it is is online, yes. Microfiche or something. Yeah. But most of it is electronic uh, data in a computer now. But they they still have, they still are publishing these books. Uh, Is that going to be the same in the future? Probably not. They're probably going to go to all electronic in the future at some point. All the better to wipe it away with a stroke of a key. Well, it's easier to change the information in it, too. Anything written in electronic form in a computer database can be changed easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ronnie, did you understand all this, what I read? Yeah. Okay. This is what we're going to get up... Um, if push comes to shove, I'll write it up in a document that you can file. But this is what you're going to have to stand on, H.R. 1491, and force that prosecutor to back down. I thought and, I already had all that. Yeah, you have it writing, but I, I mean, I could put it in a, like a legal document, like a brief. Why don't we do that? I can do that. I'll go file it immediately. All right, give me a few days here. I'm busy right now, but I'll I'll get to it. All right. Yeah. But you yourself are going to be able to have to be able to explain this if they ask you. Yeah. Does it work? Yes, it does. They know this. It's like earlier... um, it's a lease, right? Yes. Okay, I saw it. Sometimes I get uh, you're, you mixed up with your other sister. Yes. Um, like she was saying uh, a few years back when she was in court and she brought that up, the only thing is they didn't know exactly how much she knew. Well, the other thing was is that it was in the it, it was about the house eviction. And it was in the paperwork that they had to dismiss it if I hadn't committed any crimes in the last two years. And it had been four years, and there was no record of any public crimes that I'd committed. So they had to dismiss it anyway. But right. when they called okay. me in, they they said, "Is it, you know, 
do, I said, can I pass the bar in order that I may speak with you? And the judge said, yes. Do I understand that you're Elise blah, blah? And I said, I do not claim ownership for the legal fiction, Elise blah, blah. However, I am the executor and president for the Elise Andrea estate. You may call me Elise. As chief executive okay. officer of this trust, I'm here to discharge the matter. And then I went okay. into the thing about the public policy prime directive that they're supposed to discharge it dollar for dollar. And I said I would take my exemption, um, tax exemption, but they would have to pay all fees. Did they want to, to accept this offer or did they want to think about it and come back with a, you know, a renegotiation? And then I bit my tongue. Okay. And the judge looked like he, the judge was shocked when I said the first sentence because he was not expecting me to say anything with just five minutes of preparation. Right, right. Yeah, now if you go in there well prepared and be polite, you know, you're not there to argue with these guys. You're there to just say, say this is your law, guys. You made this, and you're not discharging this in the name of all the people. Do Everything. we have a right to say that, being that we're collateral for their debt? We're not collateral. They're taking all our property. And Holmes is collateral. We're not the collateral. Well, I heard that in 1999 that when they redid that bankruptcy, they needed new collateral, and they, and they used the lives of the people. Well, the lives of the people are actually the birth certificates. Right, the corporations they create out of those. So it's really yeah. not the living man. No, it's not the living man or woman, no. Okay. No. They can never take. They can never take uh, a living man or woman. You, you know, unless that that individual chooses to say, "Yeah, okay, you can use me as collateral." You know. So that's how uh, we have the right and the standing because we are on the private side. We have inherent rights given by God. Right, and it, it's right in there. Like on my last call, I talked about Chisholm versus Georgia. We are all sovereigns. Sharing the tenancy of sovereigns. We're joint tenants in the sovereignty. They can never take that away. They cannot be bargained away. You can't give it away. Period. It doesn't exist. Can they trick you? Yeah. They're doing it to a lot of people. That's how they've been getting away with all this. Anyhow, does anybody else have any more questions? Okay, I want to go a little bit into what I call what does existence, events, things, words, and the universe mean to you? I'm going to go into the meaning of words. I'm going to go into some examples and things of that. Now, I don't know where this saying originated from, but I think it has a lot of uh, meaning here. It says, nobody can prove anything to anybody. All you can do is make decisions for yourself about what to believe or disbelieve. And once you've decided, you'll come up with all the proof you ever need to support that choice. It says, is it possible that there is a lot of misconception 
to interpret, explain, or comprehend incorrectly being taught in most corporate and organizations throughout all time to the present day. I want to emphasize that every legal, verbal, and written words used by corporate employees, lawmakers, judges, and lawyers have a different meaning to them than the common language does. Now, some of you know a lot of this, and it's probably a little redundant to some of you, but I'm going to use the example of the word driver and the word person. Example, driver. It says, one, when one speaks or writes in common language, they mean a man or woman traveling. One people traveling in a car, truck, bus, or other means from point A to point B. However, when the corporate employees, such as lawmakers, judges, and lawyers, speak or make written legal language of the word driver, it takes on a very different meaning. This is what the word driver means in legal terms. One employed in conducting a coach, carriage, wagon, or other vehicle with horses, mules, or other animals, or bicycle or tricycle, or motor car through not a street railroad car. This is Davis versus Pinchewin. <clears throat> so the word driver, when they talk about it, when judges, lawyers, and all that, they're talking about driver. They're talking about something totally different than what the common language when we use it. We think of somebody traveling when we use the word driver, or at least most people do. Another example is the word person. When one speaks or writes in common language, they mean a human being, a man, woman, or baby. However, when corporate employees, such as lawmakers, judges, and lawyers, speak or write in legal language, the word person takes on a very different meaning. It says by statute, however, the term includes firms, labor organizations, partnerships, associations, corporation, legal representatives, trustees, and trustees in a bankruptcy or receivers. And a corporation is a person for taxing purposes. That comes from Black's Law Dictionary. So... If you were talking to somebody, just having a general conversation, and they didn't know anything about this legal stuff, and you you refer, uh, said, well, this person I know does this for a living, they would assume that you're talking about a man or a woman. But this legal language, they've changed the whole meaning of the word person. So what they've done is they've taken their own language in common language that a lot of us use, and they put their own special meaning on it. There's a good reason why they did that. They wanted to trick us. It's like I was talking about in H.R. 1491. They defined the, the word person back in 1933 as a corporation. They knew they couldn't make every man or woman surrender their gold and silver back then. That was just a trick. <clears throat> So the word person takes on their own legal meaning. Is it really possible that nothing has any meaning? It is us, individual people, that give events, 
things and words their own meaning. Let's take a close look at the word truth used in common language. Now, I'm not making this up. I've researched this, and I'll give the source where it comes from. Truth means a fact or belief that is accepted as true. That which is in accordance with fact or reality. A statement accepted as true. Conformity with fact or reality. Source, www.dictionary.references.com. You look up the word truth, and that's what you'll find. It is self-evident that the word truth has many meanings. And it is self-evident that the word truth is given the meaning that we, individual people, give it. Is it possible that the word truth is a result of an individual people's reality, the state or quality of having physical existence or substance, which is the result of individual people's actual experience, comprehension level, and belief? Do we have any questions at this point before I go on a little further? To me, the definitions are why the poor policeman can't understand why the common person has a right to travel. I saw that very clearly last week because they're reading the law and they're using common usage because they're not lawyers and because they don't look up the definition anywhere than in what they commonly would use it. And that is the right. biggest problem, and that's, and that's why... I saw a gaping error in my book that I have to put in definitions, otherwise it's not going to be understandable by the common person. Right, right. I agree. I agree. And this is really factually founded because I don't know anybody if they remember Ron Rico, the deputy sheriff over there in Dutchess County, New York, who was part of the uh, Pembina Nation. That's how I met him. Um. He learned all this. He found out that they had their own definitions of legal definitions, and he didn't like it. And that's why he retired early. He didn't want to be a part of that that corrupt system. And he was really hoping that the Pembina Nation was a a real legitimate nation, but it turned out it wasn't. It was just a bunch of idiots trying to run a haphazard nation claiming they had sovereign authority to do it. But, yeah, that's that's just another story. Right. All right. Um, but he, when he learned about it, Ron, he said, I don't want to be a part of this no more. He said, my conscience is bothering me, manipulating people on the road, giving them tickets for when they're actually trying to travel in their own car and they don't need a license. He didn't like that. Because he used to, in the early days, he used to be out there on the road just like any, I call them road pirates, because that's what they're doing. They're stealing from the American people. They don't know it, but that's what they're doing. And he used to give people people tickets for not having a driver's license, no registration, no insurance. I sat down with the man many times. We broke bread together many times. He said, you know, hey, this is really tearing my heart apart. He said, I don't want to be a part of this no more. So there are some of them that are coming to the realization that they're working for a private corporation. Right. 
So there is a little hope, guys. <laughs> That's what I'm really trying to say. In, in that arena, anyhow. I met a lawyer in November who told me that she wants to get out and have a different profession because she hasn't been in very long, and she she knows that she's not, you know, doing the right thing with her life. Right. Well, look at that judge uh, up in Alaska there that wrote that document to the FBI and other agencies about the fraud going on. Yep. Yeah. It's becoming more widely available, the information to people. And the most common thing that they do, I'm talking about the FBI, what they'll do is this is a common way of attacking you and make, trying to make you look like you're crazy. They call you a sovereign citizen. Well, I haven't found any definition in any dictionary, whether legal or English, that defines a sovereign citizen. They don't exist. I mean, if anybody's found it, let me know. I haven't found it. Well, it's an oxymoron. If you're a citizen, that means yeah. you're under something. And if you're a sovereign, that means you're not under anything. You right. can't be both. So, so, yeah, I know. That's why I'm saying. Well, they asked that question of mom. How long have you been a sovereign citizen? And mom says, I've never been one. Yeah. <laughs> that was not the expected answer. A citizen is a subject of something. Well, yeah, they definitely are assuming. Yeah. Well, they were assuming that she had contracted as well, and that's why the notice of non-contract or non-con, you know, the, you know, the, the non-consent or whatever, non-consent to contract, that's why it shocked them so badly, because they were presuming that as well. Right, and, and there's a presumption, too. I was talking to Ronnie earlier today before the call. He got a letter from the FBI, and almost every other sentence, it says the word person. So I said to him, I said, why don't you write them back and ask them to define what is a person? Great idea. Because they use it in almost every other sentence and for the reasons for denial. I'm not going to go into denial unless he wants to talk about it. But they're denying something he wants. And they're using the word person in every almost every other sentence. And I'm saying to him, I said, hey, write him back. Ask them to define what a person is. Yeah, and a lot of times know. when you communicate with somebody you don't know where they stand. You don't know if they're pretending not to know, if they really know and they don't want you to know that they know, and or if you're dealing with someone who is honestly... Um, An idiot. Well, unable to understand where you're coming from because they don't know proper legal definitions. Right. You don't know, you know, when you're talking to somebody, you can get a general sense about what somebody's thinking and stuff, but you, you don't know really what's going on in their mind. No. And and when you're dealing with a lot of the, I mean, when we met with the FBI, they had no idea about the monetization going on, and they shook our hands and they said, thank you for your patience with our ignorance. And so, gotcha. you know, to some degree, you know, they're wanting to know as much as anybody else. They just happen to be working they're employed by a you know a federal agency, and right. you know a lot of them, as my brother points out, are very patriotic and are very honest in wanting to do the right thing. Oh yeah, there are a lot of them. Yeah, so no doubt about that. Yeah, so we're not we're not at war with people. We're talking about a system that is very hard to understand 
for the common person. Right. The biggest challenge that we are facing today is there's a big communication gap going on here. And that is putting up roadblocks all over the place. And, and right. this is why I'm this is why I'm going over this. You know, almost everybody. For example, um, how many ever watched the show Law and Order? Yeah, I've probably seen it. Okay, there's been I don't remember the specific episodes, but. There's been episodes where they, on Law and Order, where they show witnesses witnessing an accident or a shooting. All right, and when they interview them, every individual that they interview has a slightly different story than the other. So it's corroborating, corroborating evidence. Yeah, well, what they're doing is, you know, they're they're acting like in law and order. They're acting like they're cops, and they're interviewing people to find out what really happened, so they can go after who really did the crime. But in there, when they interview the each person, the each person they interview has a slightly different story to tell of what they witnessed. Well, there's a reason for that because everybody has a slightly different perspective of what actually happened or what they witnessed at that time. Yeah, it's called corroborating evidence and that's why Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, they're both they're all relating the same story from a slightly different perspective, which actually is more proof that it's true than that it's false, because when crooks get together and say, Let's all give the same story, that's a sign that they're not telling the truth. Oh, yeah. yeah. You can usually tell when somebody's not being fully true with you or trying to deceive you in some way by their body language. Usually you can. Not all the time, but sometimes you can. Well, this is why I think it would be helpful if we had the discernment of the Canadian border guards. If we taught police officers to discern that, they wouldn't be abusing people like, you know, screaming at the top of their lungs like they did to mom last week. I mean, they could they could have used a lot more discernment to tell, you know, that she was not dangerous. Right, right. Well, you got to realize they they, uh, they hire people with a very low IQ. I'll say. Yeah. And that's, that's not done by accident. <laughs> Anyhow, do we have any more questions before I move on a little here? Um, I have a question. How do I get a hold of your uh, thing that you're reading right now about the, the uh, definitions? Do you have a paper on that? Yeah, I have it written for him. If you want me to email it to you, I can. Yeah, I'd appreciate that. Email it to Treehugger. What's that? Email it to the Treehugger account because nobody else seems to get send me Send me a uh, request by email. I'll send it to you. Okay, thank you. Okay. I have to go offline because this silly phone is beeping at me. If I can get the other phone, I'll come back on. But I'm, I'm All right. On, I'm well, this will be done. recorded. This is being recorded, so it'll be available for anybody who wants to listen to it in the future. All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to be on the on my computer and listening to it, but I can't comment anymore. Okay. Okay. Thanks. I have one comment on, on the thing. I had a high school teacher, very brilliant lady, and she was talking about truth. What is truth? And she said, if there's an accident that occurs in the middle of an intersection and there are three people on three different th- street corners and they all testify about it, she said, each one is going to give a slightly different view because they saw it from a different angle. 
But she yeah. says there is one truth. And she says we're always we're always aiming for that, that one truth. And she says, you know, the, the creator sees it all. And uh, most people don't realize that. That's why they lie. And the lies that went on in uh, court down in Florida in, in the case against me is called testifying. And Robert Fox sent me a whole article from a law journal on it. I have that article, I think, on, on my computer. But testifying <laughs> is, is a very serious thing that's going on in courts all the time today which is why people can't get anywhere, because they tell the truth and the cops lie. They think that this person should be convicted, so they come in and lie. That's not right. Anyway. Okay, thanks, Ed. Okay. All right, let's, let's look at the word integrity. Integrity means wholeness. Is it possible that when people insist you always tell what they think is the truth are people who want to control you? Telling the truth about something is harmful to you when it makes you feel rotten or bad about it. Anything that brings about a negative emotion, bad feeling within you, is a separation from your own integrity, who you really are, your wholeness. Hang on a minute. Integrity is always accompanied by positive emotion, good feeling within you. For when you feel joy, happiness, you feel whole. In other words, how you feel is more important than telling the truth about what somebody thinks the truth is. Let's take a look at religious organization teachings on the subject of supreme power called by many names most common is God the most common teaching is that God is outside of us and is in control of your life's outcome is it possible as a result of the religious organization's teaching on the subject of supreme power we we expect to insert prayer and pull on the knob and then hope that the supreme power will dispense the goodies of what we have prayed for, and the supreme power vending machine becomes the object of our worship or great respect. And we tell the vending machine how good it is and how much we worship him and expect this supreme power vending machine to be good to us in return. The basic idea here is that the supreme power is outside of us and therefore what we want and need is also outside of us. If we believe that we are separate from this supreme power, the vending machine approach of prayer reinforces and deepens that belief. I prefer to promote the concept of meditation that is at the spiritual connection with who with your own source the supreme power what we are actually seeking when we pray is to coexist become one that is whole that is existing together at the same time with that supreme power known as the law of attraction prayer is one form of our communication uh, with this supreme power, the law of attraction, 
to flow through us in our human form. Is it possible that religious organizations' teachings of God are being misinterpreted to interpret, explain, or comprehend incorrectly, and that you, individual people, are actually an extension of God simultaneously at the same time that continually flows through all and everything. I want to emphasize that every spiritual master throughout all time have been given the same information that is given here. It is the message that the Creator God is within all of us and every living thing and that there is a universe that we are a part of and it is not subject to changing world of time and space and that we are presently a part of. Since it is everywhere, it is not only within you, it is you. The meaning of this, the meaning of this that the supreme power is not so much to be found within you, the statement, though art the path, is more than an ecclesiastical admission. It is a statement of your reality. And then you must consider meditation a spiritual connection with your own source and comprehend what this concept of trust means. In the matter of prayer, it seems that most people view this supreme power as a massive bending machine who's going to grant us our wishes when we put in the proper token in the form of prayer. Therefore, the true experience of this supreme power, the law of attraction, does not change or alter the supreme power, the law of attraction. However, it changes us. It heals us from the sense of separation. If we are not changed by prayer or meditation, that is, at the spiritual connection with your own source, then we have denied ourselves to know the wisdom that created us. Where are you getting this from? This is a lot of research that I've done. It says to search for happiness outside of ourselves rekindles the idea that we are not whole to commit to an inferior position. Prayer to the status of a plea to the boss supreme power, master, we are then asking for favors rather than seeking guidance from our own source, higher self spirit within you. Meditation at the spiritual level connection I am talking about is not asking for something any more than an attempt to comprehend the law of attraction your own source, higher self spirit within you and become a true creator and create a life by design to plan and furnish something skillfully. There are plenty of... Can I comment on this? Sure. Well, number one, I'm not a fan of the law of attraction. And number two... There are plenty of people who have created their own destiny and died with tremendous regret and feeling that they hadn't 
put their time into what they should have put it into. I do not believe that we are, we are, man and women are co-creators with God. They are, they, they are created by God and therefore we do have a likeness that's like God according to the scriptures, but that does not make us God. And exalting ourselves into that position is a very dangerous one. And I, I, I see the law of attraction as being 80% true and 20% false. And it's, the, it's the, the part that's false that's so deceptive. When I first saw the video, The Law of Attraction, I was in New Zealand and I was memorizing John chapter 14. And there's a tremendous amount of concepts there that are like the law of attraction. It says in John 15, if my words, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will and it will be, you know, generated for you. And so, I mean, I do think that becoming one with God is the purpose there, but that doesn't mean that God is automatically, I think that there's different levels of um, oneness. And the purpose for John chapter 3, where it talks about a spiritual rebirth, it's very clear that all people are not on the same level. That there are people that are rebirthed and that have Christ living inside of them. And after Christ died, he left the Holy Spirit for us to communicate with God and to be our comforter and to be the, you know, the wisdom and the counselor that we need. But that does not mean that all men are, are there which is the reason for him commanding the disciples to be evangelists and to bring the good news to others. Okay. Um, yeah, not everybody's on the same level, no. Uh, is everybody created equal when they're born? Yeah. Do they access that all the time? No. I don't think that means you go around feeling superior with a swelled head if you think that you have, you know, reached some level someone else hasn't. But I don't think that, you know, I mean, it's very much Eastern mysticism, what you were describing, about how you look inward and you connect with your higher self. I do believe that man has a soul, and the soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions. And we're given a conscience. Mm-hmm. And, but that conscience is, is different from God. And God is not a man. God is a spirit. He came as a man to show us the law and to show us what he was meaning. But I don't think that that God is a man. He's a spirit. And therefore, he is accessible to everybody. Yeah, he dwells within everybody. Whether they they, uh, acknowledge that or not is another story. I don't know that he indwells. I think the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is a gift that's given. I don't know that that's automatic. Ed. Well, I'm going to go into 12 Testaments here in a minute. I'm about there now. But let's let's take a look at Christianity, what they say. It says, the kingdom of heaven is within you. In Islam, they say, those that know themselves know the true power that created them. In Buddhism, they say you are the creator. In Optimum, they say the authentic spiritual connection and the law of attraction are one. 
yoga, they say, the creator dwells within you as you. And the ancient uh, Hinduism, they say, by understanding thyself, all the universe is known. Let's take a look at uh, John chapter 10, verse 34. It says, is it not written in your law? I have said you are God's and John chapter 14, verse 20. On the day you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. And who was that said to? Who was that said to? I can't hear what you say. What is the context? Who was he speaking to when he said that? It's in. It doesn't say, well, he's speaking to everybody reading it. No, that's not true. How is it not true? He was speaking to his disciples at that point, and he says in John 17 that he prayed for them, and he did not pray for everyone. He prayed for those who would be given to him. It was a, a, a distinct separation. Okay, well, that's your perspective. And, and okay. the, king, the kingdom of heaven is among you. That was spoken of because Christ and mm. his living body was there among them. It's one way of seeing that. Well, that's one way of seeing it. Yeah, but you can't just you can't take a, a, a verse and just apply it to anything. It has to be seen in its historical and cultural context to be able to be understood and applied properly. Well, that's where I disagree with you. That that is your perspective. If that's what you want to believe, that's your choice. I think that the scripture has many applications, but I don't I think it can be twisted extremely easily if you just take things out of context. Well, it is. The scriptures have been twisted for years and years. It was originally written, uh, written by uh 66 different men. And over the years, it has changed, yes. Forty authors, 66 books. Yeah. Okay. What I'm saying here, not everybody's going to agree with, and I, I, I realize that. Any other questions? Any other comments? Um, you said that Christianity says, I believe that people don't reject Christ. They reject a false representation of what he is. And so by your saying that Christianity says this, to me that's a false representation of what Christianity says. Okay, well. Sorry, Ed, I'm just giving you my honest opinion. I, I, I feel no very I feel that. very I'm I, very strongly opinionated and I'm and I, I'm well, not trying to offend you. I'm just disagreeing you're not with offending me. You're not I'm offending me at all. That that is your perspective on it. Yeah, it's a very strong perspective based on about thirty years of reading the Bible every day. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'll read a few more here, and uh, we'll open up for uh, comments here. Uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 3 and 4, it says, The beauty should not come 
from outward adornment. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty and gentle and quiet spirit. Verse 5 says, do not concern do not be concerned about the outward beauty. You should concern yourself instead with the beauty that comes within, the unfading beauty and the gentle and quiet spirit. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. John chapter 11, verse 40. As you see it and believe it, it will be. Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Do you not know that you are the temple of the Creator and that the Spirit dwells in you? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? And 11. Do you not realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you? Luke chapter 17, verse 21. The kingdom of heaven which you are seeking is within you. Now we're going to go back to the subject that we started earlier about uh, the meaning of words, events, and things. Since nothing in life has any meaning except the meaning we individual people give it. So what I read on those verses from the scripture, it may have a different meaning to different people. And it's going to. For some, it's going to have some meaning, and others, it's going to have others. That all goes back to a... uh, a big gap in communication. Now, this is is my opinion and my opinion only. Um, It says, one of the biggest reasons I am not a fan of socialism means a serious system of social organization that uh, that advocates the vesting of ownership and control of the means of production and distribution of capital, land, and information in a community as a whole is because it teaches people to be dependent on a safety net when most of us do not need one. I am a full supporter of the right to freely define one's own concept of existence, of the meaning of the universe, and the mystery of human life. Now, this is from a court case, and this is what in uh, Planned Parenthood versus Casey, the 1992 court case, and this is what the judge uh, said in the case. It was a case involving uh, Planned Parenthood wanted to take kids away for, uh, some kids away from their own family. What the judge said in this case is they ruled in their favor and said the parents could do what they want with their kids. The state, Planned Parenthood, which was a state agency, does not have the authority to take the kids away and tell the parents how they have to make their kids live. 
It says, those matters involving the most intimate and personal choices a person may make in a lifetime, choices central to personal dignity and immunity, are central to the liberty protected by the 14th Amendment. At the heart of the liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of the meaning of the universe, and the mystery of human life. What the judge was saying in there is, as parents, they had a right to raise their kids as they saw fit, and the state cannot tell them otherwise. I think we've lost Ronnie. He's snoring. And I, hear somebody. I hear somebody there that uh, fell asleep. I'm not snoring. It must be someone else. Maybe it's my mother. Am I that boring? I guess I'm that boring. <laughs> it's your dog. Yeah, it's Blitz. Right. He's sitting there snoring. Oh, okay, okay. All right, so nothing has any meaning except for the meaning you give it. I don't just I don't agree with that. Okay. Well We didn't ask you, for your opinion. You've got a different What? We didn't ask for your opinion. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, let me explain what I mean by that. You have a different perspective on some of the scriptures I just read back there a while ago. I yes, have a different I know the context. You were talking about inner beauty that was given to wives when it was talking about what they should be focusing on. And when it talked about you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that was talking specifically to people who were believers in Jesus Christ. It wasn't given, that wasn't said to just anybody, Ed. But there's a distinct difference in the New Testament between the believer and the non-believer. That's why in the book of Acts, when Peter preached, the people were convicted and they said, what should we do? And he told them what to do. So there's a difference there. They were one thing and they became something else. And so those scriptures can't be taken by everybody the same way as the people they were given to. Well, that's your perspective, yeah. It's not my perspective. It's actually what the scriptures say. If you take it in context and don't just pull a verse out of context. I'm not pulling anything out of context. Well, you, that's giving, what you're saying. No, but by stringing all those verses together, you're making it look like something that it's really not saying. At least that's my opinion. Okay. <laughs> anyway. And I'm 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 guilty of taking verses out of context and applying them as well. But I I, I just. I don't know. I don't. I think it's hard to build a premise for something on versus taken out of context. Okay. If you write, he won't agree with you anyway. What was that? That was my wife. <laughs> She's basically agreeing with you. Oh. <laughs> I'll send you a link that I like that that I've I've read him for years and he's got his head screwed on straight. He he died when he was about 43 back in World War 1 
but they saved his writings, and he's one of the best articulators of what I understand as um, truth. And I don't think it's just... I mean, our understanding of the word truth, it's very personal. But at the same time, there's also an outworking. There's power that comes when you understand truth. Do you know what I mean, Ed? There's power in the court. I I think I know what you're saying. Yeah, and, and, and that power that comes from understanding truth in a correct sense, to me, that's what we should be seeking. You know, that it says that, you know, it's, it's not by word. God, 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 it's not by word, but by power that you know somebody is believing truth. It's not that they say something. It's that things happen and that you can see that there's power there that's supernatural. Well, that, that, that comes along with uh, somebody's confidence as well. But plenty of and, people in the scriptures didn't have the confidence. Look at Gideon. Gideon didn't have any confidence. He did what he was told. He obeyed, and he understood what he was doing later. But he didn't really have any confidence in what he was doing. He was told to do something, and there was tremendous power there. Okay. Well, well all, I'm really, all I'm really conveying in this message is you have the power within you. It's there. And there's a lot of people that are going to disagree with what I said. That's okay. Well, the quote in Acts, it says that Peter and John uh, spoke with boldness. And yet they were unlearned men. They were fishermen. And everyone could see that they had been with Yeshua. And so it was their association with the word and with the truth, which are other names for Yeshua, that gave them that power and gave them that boldness and courage to do things that were not normal for, genuine, for, for, for normal fishermen. Yeah, but if they're a fisherman, you could you know right then and there that they're liars because how many fishermen ever tell the truth? Oh yeah, you should have seen the one that got away. <laughs> <laughs> they're yeah. good at they're good at fish stories, exaggerating. Okay. No, but I I, I think that that uh, this may just be my understanding of current day. I think that people lie on a regular basis a whole lot more than they did at that time. I might be wrong. Maybe they had maybe they had a problem with lying just as much then as they do now, but I, I yeah, they call lawyers. Yeah, yeah, they had those then. There wasn't as many of them though. Back then. Yeah, because they were the highly educated. They spoke. They they could read and they could write, and very few people had that education back then. Right. Or or even the knowledge of what they were saying. Right. Anyhow, I've covered what I'm going to cover. Anybody got any comments, questions, suggestions? What? Well, thank you for giving me something to think about, Ed. I appreciate it very much. All right. Well, I appreciate your comments. Well, thank you for receiving them with uh, 
<laughs> Pretty opinionated. Everybody has opinions in life. Elise is Everybody usually right. Does. What's what did that? You say, Elise is usually right. No, I'm not always. I just didn't say I, always. I didn't say always. I said usually. No, it's just a subject that I've studied in great detail, and when I hear something that doesn't sit right, I speak up. Hmm. How did you get back on, Ma? Um, I got the other phone. Oh. He left it in the cradle, so I, I could get it. Well, anyway, thank you very much, Ed. It was very interesting to thank understand you. Thank you for all listening. 1491. I understand it a bit better oh. than I did. Good. Well, I can possibly, Ed, I can possibly go into court with that last statement and they might kick me out.